You are now tuned in to the Addicted to Success.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next level game changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on Addicted to Success.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I have Wesley Chapman on the line here with me today. And for those that don't know who Wesley Chapman is, he has been an entrepreneur since the age of eight years old, and he's self-sufficient by the age of 16. So this guy, he was killing it as a young buck, and uh, he started consulting CEOs of Fortune 500 companies at the age of 19 years old, which is insane. And he's featured on Fox, A&E, CNN, TechCrunch, Universal Films, and a plethora of other projects. Um, he's also the founder of A Human Project, which is a four-purpose 501c3 with a mission to create a community of empowered youth. Uh, he's also the founder of Superhuman Life, which is a program designed to ensure ultimate understanding of one's true potential. So Wes Chapman, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Hey man, it's it's awesome to be uh, it's awesome to be on here, and it's fun that uh, the sun is rising where you are, and the sun is set where I am. So. Just uh, shows the power of technology, right? It does, yeah. We're, we're kind of in the future out here in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want any lotter- lottery numbers, man, I'll, I'll throw them your way. <laughs> please, please, please send them my way. <laughs> now, look, man, I think as entrepreneurs, you, you don't bet on the lottery, right? You, uh, you get out there and you hustle and you make it happen. So could you shed some light on how you became an entrepreneur and uh, you know, what did your early life as an entrepreneur look like? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make it brief. It's a long story. I think you have two kinds of entrepreneurs. You have the entrepreneur that just kind of says, "I want to figure out, you know, what this whole world of self-sufficient running my own business looks like," and then and see where it goes. And then you have the style of entrepreneur that says, "I don't have any other options. You know, if I don't figure out." how to take control of my own life or how to take control of certain circumstances. You know, I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to make it on this planet. And I was the latter because of uh, some situations that happened in my life. And obviously, when you're eight years old, you've got a lot of other things that you'd probably rather be doing than worrying about the stresses and the, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. But for me, it was really the, the avenue of creating a life for me and creating control that I had never had you know, previously. And the reason for that is I was abandoned by my biological father when I was one years old. And I was abandoned then by my biological mother when I was six and a half. So I had this double whammy uh, very, very quickly in my life where I went from, you know, first losing my dad to then losing my mother. And in between all of that, and even post that, I went through quite a bit of abuse, everything from sexual, physical, mental, even had a lot of spiritual abuse, you know, with just God being used as a tool to leverage more abuse in my life. And so every aspect of abuse that a single human being could go through, I was going through it. And at the age of eight, eight and a half years old, I had finally kind of come to this crescendo where enough was enough. Um, I'd been bounced in and out of different homes. I had, you know, had a lot of state custody things. There was just a lot of story, obviously, that's there. Um, and I literally had this aha moment 
that involved pancakes and bacon and waffles and flowers. Um, it's a crazy story, like I said. But the short short end of the story is is that basically I saw an opportunity to take control of life and to really kind of say, look, adults can't figure out what the hell's going on, so I might as well give it a sh- give it a try. And I started selling flowers door to door, growing flowers, uh, and. Um, Started selling flowers door to door, and I quickly uh, learned about market research. I started selling flowers for ten dollars, then fifteen dollars, then I tried to sell them for twenty-five dollars, and I found the sweet spot was twenty bucks. I could sell the same amount of flowers for five for uh, excuse me for five dollars. I could sell the same amount for twenty dollars, and so I just figured out my supply. I figured out the demand, and I figured out the market research as far as what was what would the market bear. And uh, in my first day. I made over $500 and there's, there's quite a story to how all of that went down and the, all these different things. But I know we want to talk about more than just the, the background of my entrepreneurial life. So anyway, made $500 my first day. And from there, I really never looked back. I mean, I've had great successes and I've had epic failures and I've had my ups, my downs like any other entrepreneur, but it was that vision. It was also the understanding and seeing an opportunity and there was a lot of things. We went from selling flowers door to door to washing cars door to door to cleaning houses door to door to then going to full on landscaping. And I made significant amounts of money before the age of 18. I made more money before the age of 18 than most people will make in their lifetime. And so I learned a lot about business. I learned a lot about marketing. I learned a lot about uh, strategy. I learned a lot about people. But what I learned the very, very most was about myself. And I learned how much I loved sales. So I, uh, about 13 years old, I completely switched and went into marketing and strategy and sales. And of course, the online world started coming alive at that time. Uh, you know, I was one of the first people with a, a URL. You know, I mean, I remember the days when you could buy whatever URL you wanted. And, you know, it's just, there you go. You know, and from there, it's the history of, of different things. And as you outlined, thank you very much, you know, all the different things that have happened. I've had awards, I've had all kinds of different things. And it's just been because I see opportunities, I hustle for them. And you're exactly right. Those that wait for the lottery are those that will, you know, never experience success because nothing's going to be handed to you in this, in this life. You've got to go out and earn it. And there's no excuses. You know, there, there's just, you can't give me a valid excuse that I'll accept. Um, you're putting, you know, you're just limiting your own potential. So, so anyway, that's the, the short version of the entrepreneurial story. Wow, man, that sounds like you came from a very hard knock life, but you also decided, you know, once you hit that fork in the road, you decided to uh, to take the more positive route. One, one question that I had for you, uh, which has been kind of brewing in my mind for a little while is, I know that you, you just absolutely blew it out of the water, uh, you know, even in your like early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s uh, as an entrepreneur, and, and you actually gained like quite a lot of financial wealth and you did really well, you had a big business and everything. Why did you decide to move to the uh, for purpose you, route? Yeah, you ask uh, you ask these questions that have these long answers. Um, <laughs> but but here's the deal: um, it, there's really no like short way of telling this, except for the f- fact that I can put it into context a little bit. It wasn't just like one morning I woke up and it was like, oh, I'm gonna go and you know start this nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It was it was literally a five year, well four four and a half year journey, where 
I was going into the office and you're right. We had this gorgeous office. Everything was glass. We designed glass desks. We had glass walls. You know, we were 40 plus employees. We were making, you know, six figures every month. It was, it was a great company and it was a great experience and I learned so much there, but I would go into the business after doing this for 20 plus years and I just didn't feel this, this drive anymore. It was almost in, in this was almost comes across maybe offensive to some people, but it was, I could be asleep in a meeting and still get the exact same results. And it, it's not a cocky thing. It wasn't anything. It was just, I had done it for so long. I loved it. I loved doing what I did to some extent, but I also didn't feel this like overwhelming desire to keep going. And a lot of people would say, oh, that's because you kind of hit this success. You know, you were at a plateau. But for me, I like to be dirty. I like to have my hands dirty. I like to be in the business. I like to be a part of it. I like to, you know, constantly be aggressive and, and moving forward. It's, it's the challenge that I love. It's all these different things. And I could literally go on vacation for a month and come back and the business was fine. And for most people, that's like, oh my gosh, that's the dream job, right? Like build this lifestyle entrepreneur junk that we keep hearing about mm -hmm. everywhere. And to me, that isn't what about, that's not what lures me into being an entrepreneur. It's not about the money. It's not about that. It's about this independence drive. So that was stage one of my, where I was. And then there was the stage two, which was very personal. I mean, I, I, I you know, went over my story very briefly about my childhood just to put it in perspective, before the age of 16, I tried to commit suicide 12 times. And those are 12 documented, like a doctor was involved, police were involved, somebody was involved. These, there were many, many, many more times where I, comp, you know, I sat there and I thought about just ending my life. And at the same time, in the same exact breath, in the same exact moment, I'm sitting in boardrooms with doctors and men that are four times my age. I'm on conference calls with people who think I'm, uh, you know, some whiz kid, you know, whatever. I have a funny story where actually when I was 12 years old and I was consulting a doctor's firm, all of my consultation, everything I did was over the phone and they actually thought I was a woman. My voice <laughs> hadn't changed. And I rolled with it. I was like, sure, whatever. You know, I'm making money. I don't care. You know, so... So there was, there was just all these different things, but when the business shut off, then I had to face my reality. I had to face the reality that I was alone. I didn't have any family, that I was the weird kid in the neighborhood who ran these businesses and didn't have a dad. And I mean, there was just a lot of different things. And then I was hurt inside and I wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled, um, in, in my own childhood. And so all these side effects happened. So here I am in my, as you said, my mid twenties. And I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking like there has to be more for me personally. And these suits, you know, I, I, I always compare it to Iron Man. I literally wore like $3,000 custom suits. It was a, I love clothes and I love designing clothes. And so I designed all of my suits. I mean, I have a suit that has my favorite uh, football team's uh, flag inside of it. And I'm talking European football, not American football. I mean, it, it, I was a freak when it came to these suits. And so, but I would wear these suits and then it was almost like if I took the suit off, I wasn't, I had no identity. 
And so I started really diving into this in my, my mid-20s on a personal level, and that started me down this journey of understanding there was more for me to do in this world than just run a business. But running a business and learning about all this marketing and learning about these sales and learning about branding and learning about these things, that was all just a that was just all part of the positioning for what I feel is my greatest mission, something that I can do that very few people are doing, which I was surprised about, but I've now learned since you know doing uh, the nonprofit work for the last two years. And I have a lot of skill sets that very, very, very few nonprofit for purpose you know businesses have ever have. I mean, usually they're hiring guys like me for six hundred thousand dollars, you know, in a consulting gig, and I've learned it all. So this journey just started taking me, you know, I, I just started really investigating my own life and my journey and my story and who I was and all these things. And I kept meeting person after person. Um, Les Brown, who's a very famous motivational speaker, he and I had a, a conversation over breakfast and I told him about my story in a lot more detail than you and I have gone over. And he said, Wes, you got to be a motivational speaker. And this is coming from the great Les Brown, right? So I'm kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, I need to be a motivational speaker. That that sounds fun. That sounds exactly what I want to do. And will you train me? What What do you do? Uh, you know, so I had Les Brown coaching me and giving me ideas. And then he led me into his organizations and his, you know, his connections, which led me down to even more amazing names that are out there. And I started learning from these guys and I started learning how to speak on stages and tell stories and do all this stuff. And then I thought, okay, this is where I'm going to go, but that wasn't it. And so again, like I said, this is a long story. So I spent three or four years, I shifted my life, I sold my company, I moved, I did all these things thinking I was going to be a motivational speaker and go into this space and nothing stuck. It was almost like, I, was, I can't even explain it other than just it was test after test after test. I had people, you know, I had houses burning, I had cars that broke down, I had, you know events that I was supposed to speak at. And then all of a sudden I'm not speaking at them. I had websites that I had built and everything was ready to go live. And then the freaking server would crash and the guy who built the website never backed it up. So we had to start over. I mean, it was just like crazy stuff happening. And then everything came to a head on April 8th, uh, 2013, uh, 2014, where everything, everything had a complete and total clarity it's when I had my aha moment, the best way to hear that story, because, you know, obviously I want to respect our time. The best way to hear that story is to go look up uh, one of my good friends, John Lee Dumas's podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire. It's, I think it's episode 666. Nobody planned it that way. It just is. <laughs> um, but uh, you can go and, and listen to how on that day, one little girl, I spoke at a public school. I'll just give a, a quick synopsis. I spoke. I sp uh, spoke at a public school, told my story, and one little girl changed my life forever. But it was also a, a combination of this last four-year journey that I had been on, kind of trying to figure out what was going on. And when you take four years off, I don't care how wealthy you are, how much credit, credit you have or anything. I mean, I literally took four years to discover what the heck I was supposed to be doing. So and, and I went through, there's just a lot of personal struggles I went through. There's a lot of personal things that happened to me. There was a lot of crazy things, business partner stuff. I mean, it, it was something that I can write a book on. And in fact, uh, I am in the process of writing a three-part book. Because uh, just to tell my story from the age of zero to 13 is just under three, I think it's under, excuse me, just under 400 pages. So it, we have to cut it down a little bit. And then to tell my story from 13 until the day that I started this 
this movement, this uh, for-purpose organization, uh, the rough the rough book is about 400 pages. So we're cutting it down, obviously, to get it down. But there's a lot of stories inside this story. But the 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 you know simplest way to tell it is it was a four-year journey of discovering what my purpose in life was, and then it was everything coming together. And there's freaky things. There's me taking a random selfie with some guy that, you know, his cell phone dies, so I have to message it to him on Facebook, and then he's a part of an organization. And then, I mean, it was just all these different ladders of things that happened that led me to that school, which led me to that little girl, which changed my life forever and is now impacting thousands of children's lives around the world. And also in that journey, I'm also working with adults, which is a whole nother, you know, sector of life, but it's part of my, my grand scheme of things. Now I got a question for you, Wes, and thanks for sharing that with us. What would you call that? Would you call that luck or would you call that law of attraction or the universe or what, what would you call that? Uh, I call it everything. It's, it's luck. It's, it's hustle. It's, I mean, look, I took, I took some massive risks. You know, I, I left a very comfortable business. I left a very comfortable brand. I left a very comfortable lifestyle. I left a very comfortable world. I, I literally left all of that. And then on top of that, I even geographically left everything that I was used to and, and moved, you know, moved uh, 12 hours away driving from, from uh, my home. I moved from Utah to, to uh, California with very little connections, very little anything. I mean, it, it was a it was definitely all these different risks that I took, all these different things. Uh, I mean, it was just a combination of everything, but it was the universe and law of attraction. It was me hustling. It was luck. It was, I, I, I couldn't say it's one thing. And I don't think, and I think so many people are looking for that answer, right? They're like, what do I need to do? Do I need to go on top of a mountain and, and meditate? Or do I need to go to New York and hustle? Or do I need to go to LA and like get my headshots? Like, what do I need to do? And I always answer everything. Uh, you know, I didn't say no to anything. I literally, you know, someone would say, oh, here's this opportunity to speak. Okay, I'll go speak. You know, oh, here's, and I spoke at times where there were three people in the room. Literally, there were three people in the audience and I would be like, what am I doing here? You know, I'm, I'm used to making XYZ and all these things and I, I'd spoken to business crowds of, of 10,000 plus. Like, why am I sitting here with these three people telling them my story? And then, oh, guess what? One of the three people happens to be a, record label representative who represents, you know, uh, Jason Mraz. I mean, it was crazy stuff that was happening. So there's just, you, you, when you're in this mode and you're trying to build a business and you're trying to do things, there's a delicate balance between staying focused on your business and, and actually getting out there and creating opportunities for you. And you cannot create opportunities by saying no and by sitting behind your computer and hoping that, you know, you're going to meet somebody on Twitter or Facebook. You, you have to do everything. I, I've closed massive deals now with our nonprofit on Twitter. I've gotten board of directors and advisors for, uh, for a human project just by using Twitter and getting meetings and getting things set up, but then following up with physical meetings. I mean, tomorrow morning, 3 a.m., I get on a flight to New York, and I'm spending three days in New York hustling with some of the people that are part of, you know, the advisory board and a part of, you know, the organization and, and working with them on some other projects and helping them with their projects and doing things. So it's a mixture of all of it. It's all of it. There's not just one thing that's going to happen. Yeah, and that's great. And I love how you uh, touch on the idea of, like, not worrying that there's only three people in the room. Um, actually, one of our mutual friends, Gary Vaynerchuk, 
says uh, one is better than zero. And if you look at it like this, mm-hmm. like if you're on an interview and it's only reaching 10 people, those 10 people could be buying your book or could, you know, open doors for you. You could open doors for them and it could blow up into this like whole new world for you. Or you could be on an interview with a thousand people and it goes nowhere. So you never know, the, man. You never know who's hearing. You never know who you're inspiring at the time. It's, it's powerful stuff. You don't. I mean, the whole deal I'm doing with Universal Pictures right now and the opportunity we've had to work with the movie Unbroken is all because of one person that listened to an interview. I don't even remember which. I did 365 podcasts and radio shows and TV spots last year. So I I don't know where they heard it from because I didn't say no. And I set a goal that I wanted to do 365. I did 365 plus. um, I think it was 368 or something like that. But anyway, the... um, Somebody heard my story uh, on a podcast. I believe it was a podcast that literally got like 11 downloads uh, a day. And I, you know, I think we got some more because I did some marketing for them and stuff. But anyway, very small audience. But that audience, uh, one member in that audience reached out to me and said, hey, you should know about this Unbroken movie that they're doing, this whole campaign, I Am Unbroken. And oh, by the way, I submitted your video to it. I hope you don't mind. They did it all on their own. I check out the website. Two months later, I'm invited to the premiere as a VIP, back, you know, backstage access to the movie Unbroken, and then got to work with Angelina Jolie and, and the Universal Studios producers and everybody else. So you don't know who's listening to your podcast, and you don't know if they have an idea or a connection or whatever else. And then to your point, when Universal was deciding to work with us, they did their due diligence and they went out there and they listened to some of the interviews and they, you know, they did stuff. And so they then in turn went and listened to, to different podcasts and different things. So you just, you just never know. We, we live in a very connected world. You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. You got to be in it to win it, right? Exactly. That's it. Yeah, look, I, I want to touch on uh, this superhuman uh, project that you got going on at the moment. I know there's been a little bit of talk about it online and I actually had the chance to head over to the uh, superhuman.life page. I saw your video, you shared, shared a bit of your story and the reason why you've decided to start Superhuman, Superhuman Life. And uh, yeah, man, fill us in on that and then maybe uh, let us know how we can be a part of it. Yeah, I, I love it. So a human project, so ahumanproject.com, you'll go to that and you will see that Everything there is tailored towards the youth. And when I had this aha moment, when I had this epiphany of what I was supposed to do, it's a crazy story. I built a brand. I built a complete brand, a human project, with absolutely no idea why I built it. Um, On January 7th, 2014, I was driving down the five. That always makes me feel like I'm some Southern California snob. But anyway, (laughs) I I was driving down the Interstate 5, and I just saw this audience, literally thousands of people with black t-shirts on with the words, I am human on the t-shirt, big block letters that just says, I am human. And I mean, even when I tell the story, it's just, it, it gives me chills. It just was the weirdest freaking experience. And I went home and I, I told my fiance, I said, are you busy? And she said, yeah, I'm working on a project. I said, great, I'm going to go to the office and I got to get this out of my head and onto a piece of paper. And in that moment, I just, I went crazy. I built a logo, a brand. I designed t-shirts. I actually ordered t-shirts. I had this entire company created and I had absolutely no idea why. 
zero idea why I had done this and where it had come from and what this idea was. And I went and started buying domain names to go along with it. I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was like seven o'clock at night when I got home from this event that I had been at. And I didn't, I don't think I got done until the sun came up. Logo, website, branding, t-shirts, business cards, flyers. I mean, everything was designed. No, no, no content in them, but everything was designed. Everything was designed. And so I bought a humanproject.com. I also bought a superhumanlife.com. I had absolutely no idea why. When now fast forward to April, I have this epiphany. I come home April 8th, 9 o'clock at night. There's a crazy part to that story. Again, go listen to it on John Lee Dumas's podcast. It will give you chills. It's an amazing story about the power of this little girl and, and how brave she was and how amazing she is. And I sat that day or that night and didn't sleep for three days, and I built out a human project. Now, here's the crazy thing is that when I was a child, everybody told me, you know, all the counselors, all the psychiatrists, everybody said, hey, Wes, you got to let go of your story. You got to tell your story. You got to, you know, go through this process. You got to do this because that way you can grow up and you can be, you know, quote unquote normal, even though, you know, when I tell my story and I talk to people at seven and a half years old, they told me I would never amount to anything. They wanted to put me in a boy's home until I was 21 years old. I would, I was not an asset to society. <clears throat> and one step further, I was not allowed to be in society. That was the, the medical diagnosis for me at seven and a half years old. So wow. that puts in perspective some of the stuff I went through. So at the same time, though, these counselors are telling me I'm awesome and I can do it. That's their job, whatever. But they kept telling me, you've got to do this because it's going to make you have a better life. And then I would start looking around. I got pretty smart, you know, after you spend, I, I ended up spending 17 years in, in counseling and different things, but I got pretty dang smart at figuring out these guys and their motives and their, their direction. And I started thinking, well, where are the adults that have done this? Where are the adults that were in their childhood or were dealt with their childhood and now feel free? And this was in the eighties. So you, you didn't talk about this stuff. Well, guess what? It's 2015. People don't talk about this stuff. There are so many adults who are walking around on this planet who are just like how I was, where they put on their suits, they put on their masks, they put on their fake facades, and they go out into the workplace and they try to create value in themselves with their jobs or with their spouses or with their Instagram accounts or with their Facebook friends, whatever, because they've been hurt. And it could be all kinds of different levels of hurt. You know, it could be neglect. It could be, you know, uh, parents who weren't there for them. It could, I mean, there's, there's just a thousand different things it could be. It could be abuse. It could be molestation. It could be, you know, a sex crime. All these things. But these adults are walking out there in this pain. And in the same breath, you know, we're telling kids to man up and deal with their issues. But kids are smart, and they're watching all these adults who haven't dealt with their issues, so why the heck should I deal with my issues? So that night, when I started building out a human project, I told my fiance, and I, I told the board of directors that I put together, I said, at some point, not only am I going to, you know, not only are we, excuse me, are we going to build this community of empowered youth, that's our mission statement, to build a community of empowered youth. Not only are we going to build a community of empowered youth, but we are going to build a community of role models for these youth to look at and say, okay, if that guy at 40 years old has gone through all this pain and all these things and now is re finally releasing and he's telling me that 
he wished he would have released it when he was 13, 14, 15 years old. All right, I can see now why I should do this. And instead of just preaching it, they can actually see it. So the last piece of the pie has always been adults, has always been reaching adults who are carrying around these pains inside of themselves that they don't need to be carrying around and moving them forward so that they can, in reverse, be a role model to these youth. And so it creates this full cycle of effects where the youth are seeing the adults, the adults are supporting the youth, and it becomes this symbiotic relationship between the two. And it becomes very, very, very powerful. And so in 2014, as soon as I started telling my story more and I started marketing it and we started pushing it out there and we started you know, Facebook ads and all this for the purpose of getting youth to feel comfortable with what we were doing, we went in within months, within months, we went from being not even on the radar to in three countries, thousands of youth had heard the message, hundreds of youth had joined the program. I mean, it, it was it was a way overgrowth thing. It was like, I'm running this thing out of my garage and holy crap, I need like 10 people to help me literally in just days. And so at the same time, I can't even tell you, probably between 10 to 15 adults a day would reach out to me and beg me to give them something, some kind of help. And I just started writing emails and I started, you know, communicating with them. And finally, everybody just said, Wes, you've got to build a program for adults because A, your time is very precious and B, you know, you've got to have some kind of structure behind all of this. So lo and behold, that is superhuman life. Superhuman life is a structured scenario where you can go through getting some clarity in your life, taking back control of your life, and finally utilizing the power that I believe is inside every single person to create success, to create wealth, to create stability, to create amazing relationships. And what I, what I call that is H cubed. It has to do with honesty, healing, and hope. And I've created, I don't know, two hours of content completely free where you go to superhuman.life, you put in your, you know, you, you put in your email and you, you get this two hours of, of uh, content for free. I do a podcast every week um, where I answer questions from people uh, around the world. Uh, we've gotten questions from everywhere. And well, some of the questions come from now people that I'm coaching. I do offer a coaching program for adults um, where we walk you through these processes. And the ultimate goal is to release you from the stuff that's been holding you back. And what's interesting, I've been in, uh, I've been in boardrooms with guys who... 50, 60 years old. You mentioned it before. Microsoft was one of my big consulting gigs. And I remember being in a, in a boardroom with one of these guys and I'm young. Question came up. Why are you so young, you know, in this boardroom? And, and I, I had a lot of lies that I told when I was younger. And my lie that I used in the business world was, oh, well, my parents were, were killed in a, in a car accident. And so I had to take care of my own life. That made sense, right? The only reason a child would be abandoned is if his parents died. No, no, no parent in their right mind would let go of a really cool kid, a really good kid. And so my, you know, my way of coping and dealing with the, the embarrassment of your parents leaving you was to make up some elaborate lie about how they died. So, and then I would say something like, yeah, they died. And then I went into foster care and I had some abuse that happened to me. So, you know, but now I'm this entrepreneur. So let's just focus on this. Well, I can't even tell you how many times just even in my young career, grown adults would come and cry to me and tell me about 
being molested or being hurt or being, you know, and this is in late 90s. And so I'll never forget an executive at Microsoft did that. After a meeting, he asked to talk to me and we had a conversation and I had no, again, I'd spent a lot of time in psychology and, and, and counseling, but I, you know, I was no trained professional. And so I look back at my life and it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, all these different markers, all these different things that happened. That same executive was being held back in his own personal life. He'd gone through some divorce issues. He's being held back and he and I's conversation helped him kind of move forward. And last that I talked to him, you know, he was doing very, very well. And his department at Microsoft was, was crushing it. And there was all kinds of amazing things. And I've seen that hundreds of times in my career. I just have friends who will come to my house for dinner and then they'll, you know, stay for six hours and tell me about all the things that they went through. And then they'll call me the next morning and say, I've never felt so much release. And so my point is, is that my goal is to give you your power. I, I'm not some magic man that has some, you know, pill that I'm going to give you, or I'm not some, you know, there's no seven step program to creating ultimate wealth. It, all that stuff is bull crap. All that stuff is marketing shit. All that stuff is there just so that you'll push the button. Everything that you need to create ultimate wealth, ultimate success, and ultimate life is inside of you. And when you realize that and you release that, that's when your life goes from this like, you know, struggle to it being this adventure. And we see this with youth all the time is as soon as we release them from the stereotypes and from the garbage, it's like, wow, they just feel this, you know, amazing release. And then they start doing things that they never thought they could do, that their, their community never thought they could do. And they start making these ma massive changes. Well, adults are really nothing different in those circumstances, except for the fact that their bodies have grown while their hearts and minds have been stuck and trapped in this childlike deal. And I don't really care. I'll go out on a limb and I'll say this very boldly. If you're having a hard time creating success, if you're having a hard time succeeding, if you're failing over and over and over again in your life, or even if you're not and you just keep hitting these plateaus and you just can't go that extra mile, I will tell you nine times out of 10, it's not because you don't hustle enough. It's not because you don't click on enough banners. It's not because you don't listen to enough motivational CDs. It's because you haven't released something in your life that is holding you back. And it could be something so freaking simple, so simple, but it could also be some dark secret that you're hiding from the world. And more importantly, you're hiding from yourself. So you can get a really clear understanding of how I approach this stuff with the two hours of free content that I've provided. And you know, we've, we launched that about um, two weeks ago now. I don't know when this interview will go live, but we launched it uh, middle of, like I think it was the 7th of February. No, excuse me, the 6th of February. And uh, it's the 13th, 15th, 16th, whatever right now. And um, in that amount of time, we've had over 1,100 people go through all organically. Well, I take that back. We are running a $5 Facebook ad um, a day. We, a uh, retargeting thing. We have been, you know, Thousand, I think it's, I don't know, I'd have to log in, but this morning I believe it was 1,300 people have gone through the program. We have a 79% open rate on our emails. Uh, we have an 83% watch-through rate on the videos. And I don't know a damn thing about online marketing funnel stuff. I mean, this was the first thing I've ever done. I've never really played in this game. And I was talking to one of these funnel experts that uh, is a buddy of mine, and I was telling him my numbers and he, th he was throwing things at his phone 
telling me that he was throwing things at me, you know, and he was like, I spend $7 a lead and, you know, getting people to open my emails. And I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. And, and I say that because there was a lot of fun stories about us creating this content and cameras broke, microphones didn't work, uh, dogs started barking in the background. But the stuff that you see is after all of those kind of craziness has happened. And then all of a sudden the cameras just started working again. And, you know, I was able to, to record something. So every single, every single video that is on that funnel or whatever you want to call it, every single video had another video where I would be talking about something and then a dog would bark or a plane would go over or the camera would die. And I didn't really switch the content, but what I realized is it was the energy. You talked about, you know, energy and everything. It was just where my heart was at that moment. It wasn't in the exact right spot. Maybe I was thinking, I was overthinking, I was, you know, trying to be whatever. And then those things would happen. And it was literally like this experience where I would just say, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to tell you the story. I'm just going to tell you the advice. I'm just going to tell you the thing. And now we're seeing the fruits of that. So why do I tell people that? Is that because I know a lot of people like to create content now and they go for this content perfection or they go for content, you know, and they, they're too hard on themselves or they're, they're trying to script it or whatever else. And so I tell you all of that because I want you to realize that just speak from your heart. Even if you're speaking about Facebook ad conversion, speak from your heart. Don't speak from some marketing angle book thing that you read of how you're supposed to try to sell something online. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, man. It's funny, like people want authenticity, right? They want to know that it's real. And actually something that Zig Ziglar said a little while back, he said, uh, selling is essentially a transfer of emotion. So if you're looking, I mean, we're constantly selling to each other all the time. And I'm telling you, hey, go and watch Iron Man 3. It's such an awesome movie. You go and watch it. That's selling that idea of watching that movie to you. And you went and did it, right? So yeah, I mean, if you can transfer that emotion so that people can really feel it and know like, wow, this is real stuff. This isn't just scripted. That's what people want. People want real. They do. And and the marketing world has, has, you know, as Gary says, and as I say as well, is that, you know, marketers ruin everything. The marketing world has taken those words, authentic, human, real, blah, blah, blah. And they have just butchered them. You know, it's just all of a sudden Coca-Cola is an authentic company because they give money to women business owners. What? You know, I mean, there, there's a nothing against that, but why are you making that your, you know, why, what's the marketing? Well, it's because everybody's trying to be authentic. Everybody's trying to be human. And that was 2014, 2015. I, I did this in 2013. I did an interview and I said that 2013 will be the year of the human, not knowing that I was going to start a company called the human project. But, um, I said, people are just going to start marketing, branding. It's going to go shift completely to humanism. It's going to go completely to be human, be real, be raw. Makeup is not going to be cool anymore. You know, people are going to start. There was just an energy in the in the middle of 2013 where everything was kind of moving away from this fictitious world and going to this human world. And I felt the same thing about halfway through 2014 where businesses were going to start shifting shifting and saying okay we've done the human thing now we're going to add the purpose thing. And you know we're when you buy a a can of this it does this. And if you look at Kickstarter campaigns and you look at the top, you know, independent things like Sevenly or any of these companies these companies are getting a lot of play because they're normal companies doing amazing things with their revenue which I love. I think that's brilliant. 
But now, 2015, the big companies are starting to step up and they're starting to say, oh, and if you watch the Super Bowl, I mean, I know, I don't know if Aussies watch American football, but mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, all 90% of the commercials, well, maybe not 90%, but a good majority of the commercials were trying to associate brands with purpose and tension. AKA Nissan was the most, most like, hi, we're just doing it. We're just going to say it. Nissan and then the uh, uh, nationwide insurance uh, company with the, the dead boy commercial, which I still don't understand, but whatever. But um, Nissan with the whole like Nissans and dads, like Nissans make you a better dad. What? Wow. You know, but, but I mean, it's, it's, it's showing a brand has a purpose, right? Because that's what people want is that when you buy your coffee, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy that XYZ percentage of your coffee purchase is going to help somebody in need. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that except for the fact that that that's brilliant. And I think every company that makes billions of dollars a year, a.k.a. the coffee industry, should be donating some of its profits. I think that for every freaking time you fill up your, your gas with, uh, or your car with gas, the freaking you know, XYZ percentage of, of those profits should go somewhere. I'm all about that. That's how the world should just work. But what's it, what it's creating is a lot of people who feel like, well, I did my part by buying coffee. And money is great. And, I, and I'll say this a lot, but love is what you really have to show people who are in these horrible situations of life, whether it's kids in Africa who don't have school or water, or whether it's a kid in the Bronx who doesn't have a dad and, you know, is, is getting stuck in, in gangs. It's love that changes people, not money. It's not money. So, yes, money's crucial. Yes, money's a part of it. But love, as one of my good friends Justin says, love is the key. So all of, this, all of this movement that we're seeing in the world and all of these people who are in pain and all of these people who are dealing with stuff and all of these entrepreneurs who want to create success and want to create all these things, the key that they have to remember is that with all the craziness that we have going on in our world, if you don't take care of yourself first, and I believe it's Les Brown that has this quote, if you don't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of anybody else. You know, you've got to fill your cup and there's a lot to that, but I don't look at it on a monetary level. I don't look at it and say, you know, you got to be super rich to go help people. What I'm saying is, is that you've got to take care of the things that are holding you back inside of you so that you can truly go out there and share love and have an impact on people's lives and stop thinking that just buying a cup of coffee and having that money get donated to somebody is, is, is all you need to do. Yeah, we should all do that. You know, that's just a, a little old lady is crossing the street with a shopping cart and it's a busy street. We should all help her across the street. We shouldn't get a freaking merit badge for doing it. So mm-hmm. same thing. We shouldn't be getting merit badges for just, you know, buying a cup of coffee that donates some of its money to a organization or to a, uh, a nonprofit. But you need to be looking deeper. And, and I promise you, you know, you, asked, you answered or you asked me earlier in the interview, like what led me to this and that and success. I always noticed in my when I started looking back in my entrepreneurial career, I always noticed that the more I helped other people, the more I got human with myself, honest with myself, reached into myself, stopped playing the games, got real with the with people in my neighborhood, you know, did things for the community, my business would go from doing pretty good to doing out of this world good. 
And it was a really weird thing that I started looking back. So when I coach people, that's part of the aspect of talking to them is, let's take care of you so you can help everybody else, which will lead you to clarity, which will lead you to opportunities, which, yes, will lead you to some wealth. Yeah. Amazing, man. Amazing. I think when you're helping people, you also feel very happy and people are drawn to others that are happy as well. They want to be around them. They want to work with them. They want to help them. It's uh it's kind of like a chain reaction as well. You know, you spread that love and, and the, at the end of the day, we're all connected, right? We're all made from the same, you know, your skin and bone, ashes, whatever you want to call it, right? We're all part of the one right. universe. And if you, you know, travel all the way back down the family tree, we're all some way like brothers and sisters to, without sounding all hippie and, 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 you know, fluffy with it all. We, we are, we're all like, everyone has their own story. And, um, yeah, you've just got to remember, like, you know, we're all human. We are. We're, and that's the, that's the thing is that we're all connected, but we're also all unique. And it's, it's uniqueness that creates individuality, but it's the individuality and uniqueness that creates the ultimate community. And so, just like you said, guys, okay, I'll speak to guys for a second. How many guys want a girl who is mopey and boring and doesn't want to go out and do things and doesn't want to be adventurous and is constantly worried about the way that they look and is constantly beating themselves up? No guy wants to be with that girl, right? Yeah. Okay, well, what girl wants to be with a guy who sits on the couch with his hand down his pants and worrying about the, the news and cares more about football than he does about, you know, the real connections out? In the, nobody does, Okay male, female, you do not want to be with somebody who is, who's a downer. Well, now think of that in business. How, I mean, so many people try to fake, I hate the phrase, fake it till you make it. It's the stupidest thing ever invented. We, that's a whole other show we could talk about, but too many people take that concept and they start faking who they are in an attempt to be something that they think the world wants. And what ends up happening is you completely lose your individuality. You lose your individual energy, your power, all of these different things. You completely lose all of it. And thus you create this just complete and total chaos inside of yourself that then people read and feel. And then you wonder, why isn't anyone doing business with me? I'm trying to be just like Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm trying to be just like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Richard Branson, I'm trying to be just like these people. Why, what's wrong? Why can't I emulate the same kind of, you know, thing? Why don't I have the same kind of success? Well, because you're unique and your success does not come from a copycat. And we've seen copycatters. There's a lot of them out there. And they, some of them do have a fun ride for a while, but they'll get called out. They get called out on their stuff. And then eventually, where is that copycat? Well, they're gone. They don't exist anymore. So my point is, is that we are all connected, which means we can fill each other's energies. We can participate in that. Nobody wants to be around a downer. So everybody tries to be happy and tries to be all these things, but maybe deep and down inside of you, you're not. And I look back on my career and all the opportunities I had, you know, as an eighties baby, there was so many opportunities because we hadn't created half of the stuff now that's made everybody these multimillionaires. And I can't tell you how many things I was a part of that I now look at and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I had that idea. Uh, we were building an iPhone. We were building an iPhone in 2000, or excuse me, in 1998. 
Literally, hmm. buddies of mine were sitting there thinking, like, what if we could, com- you know, put this thing down? I had a friend who was a genius at motherboards, and he was like building all this stuff, and we were, you know, working with all of this crazy stuff. We built another company that was uh, pre Google that was a whole concept about localized search. It was about creating local search, you know, lo- local search uh, stuff. I had another guy, he and I were working on this idea where you could make like a template website thing that everybody could regenerate their own websites off of instead of having to code websites from the ground up, basically WordPress. Anyway, my point is that is that there's all these ideas that are floating around in the universe and we're all grabbing at them and we're doing these things. I look back on my life and you know the reason that a lot of those things didn't succeed. I sat in investor meetings. I had guys that were ready to write me seven-figure checks. We had all kinds of things going on. But everyone would pull out at the 11th hour it was just like clockwork. We'd have these opportunities. Things would be like ready to go. And then we'd get a phone call like, it just doesn't feel right. I've gone back since and talked to some of those people. One of the guys was the, was the co-founder of 3M. He became a really good friend of mine, guy that helped start 3M. And I said, you know, why did you decide not to invest in this idea I had? He said, you know, I don't know what it was, Wes. I don't know what it was, but something, the idea was brilliant. You're an amazing salesman. You thought of everything. But something just didn't feel right in that 11th hour with, with you. And that's hard to take, right? That's like, oh, yeah. I could have been a multi-billionaire. Except, and, and I so, you know, now I've had some of these conversations past me going through some, some re-transformation of my own. And he said, it just didn't feel like, you know, these are not his words, but these are my words replacing what he was trying to express is, you didn't feel like you. It felt like you were trying to be something that you weren't. And, he, and, and this particular guy said, but I can tell you right now, if you have an idea and you're trying to do something and you need something now, call me because there's something different about who you are now. That was a huge aha moment for me where I was wow. like, I was faking it till I made it. I drove the fancy cars. I wore the crazy suits. I did this and that. I tried to be who I was and all these different things. And I'm not saying that it doesn't work, you know, 100%, but there's just a mental game to it. And I look back now and I'm like, you know what? If I would have just looked myself in the mirror and just said, stop it, Chapman. That's one of my phrase taglines. Stop (laughs) it, you know? Just stop it. If I would have just said, stop it to myself, where could I have gone in life? You know, and I start thinking about that too much and then it's, you know, it just gets all sad and mopey. But in all reality, it's just how many of us are sitting on amazing opportunities, but we can't get out of our own way to accept those opportunities. I love that, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's such a powerful uh, story and realization that you shared. You know, I could easily go ahead and go, what's the greatest advice you've ever received? And this and that, you know, those kind of general stock questions that you get, but you right. sharing that, that moment and then telling us like where you realize you went wrong and how you've now changed it. Like that's, you learn better from hearing those lessons than anything else, I think. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. No problem. You know, I simplify my entire everything, everything about life, everything about situations, everything that you come through comes through your life door. There's really only two options to how you handle it. I don't care if it's stubbing your toe. I don't care if it's, you know, getting a million dollars. I don't care if it's losing a family member. I don't care if it's dealing with a, you know, a, a tragedy whatever it is in your life, you really only have two options. And I say this all the time to youth and and individuals that I coach is that you can either be a victim 
or you can be a hero. Now, here's the caveat, is that every single hero ever written about, I don't care biblical or super you know, hero stuff from Marvel comic and DC comic, I don't care what it is, every single hero had to become a hero to themselves before they could change the world. So the full message there is, is you can choose to be a victim or a hero, and every single hero had to save themselves before they could save or change the world. And too many people forget about that. They forget about the concept of, they think that a hero is this huge, powerful, non-destructive force, but they're not. They're vulnerable, they're transparent, everybody knows their weakness, everyone knows that kryptonite will, will stop Superman, Everybody knows that if you blow up, you know, Batman's house, he loses all his toys. I mean, everyone knows the weakness of a hero. But what a hero finds out is what's really inside of him. Who is he and or she and what what do they need to overcome so that they can go and change the world? And nothing illustrated that more in this analogy than the last Batman movie, um, Black Knight Returns or whatever it's called, Dark Knight Returns, whatever. Nothing illustrated that more than him being in that cave and having to make a decision. Am I going to jump and get out of here? After all the stuff that had happened to me, broken back, broken bones, all these things, am I going to lay here and die or am I going to make something happen? And, of course, you know, the movie would be pretty dumb if he laid there and died, but (laughs) so would your life, right? So would your life. So just think about that. I mean, everything we've talked about comes down to that one decision that you make, and you make that about everything. You know, road rage, traffic, uh, coffee spilled, suit doesn't look good, your dress is wrinkled, your makeup isn't right, your hair isn't right. You know, these are simple little things that slow us down every single day, but it's that decision that we make. Am I going to be a victim in this situation or am I going to be a hero in this situation? Yes. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's difficult. It really is. But the more you, more practice you have with it, the easier it becomes. And then when you do get hit in the face by something that actually is pretty difficult to deal with, now all of a sudden you've created a habit, which is what we, that's what we teach in, you know, this whole self-help become a better person life is the more habits you create that are positive, that creates the real transformation. Well, now you've created a habit that when something comes into your life, you're not a victim, you're a hero, so you can handle it. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for painting that picture for us, man. So true. So true. Now, at Addicted to Success, we're huge on quotes. And I know you're pretty big on quotes yourself. So what would you say has been uh, the standout quote in your life? I have tons of quotes. And it's funny you bring that up because part of superhuman life is I have, um, which has been, has been quite the undertaking. Uh, I have created 365 uh, emails that you can you know, you can sign up for, it's, it's a different funnel, it's a different email list, whatever. It's literally just 365 emails where I give you a quote and then I write and I break down what that quote is talking about. So it's, it's, a, it's a huge undertaking and we've actually now realized that I've written a book, um, <laughs> a 365-page book. So uh, anyway, so I have tons and tons and tons of quotes. But I think that the, the quote that resonates with me and then this and this show and I, I don't know if it's tacky to use your own quotes but I guess I'm going to be tacky is that it's not what we do for a living that matters most it's what we do with living that truly matters you know this is something if you get an email from me that's usually the 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 quote that I put at the bottom of my email 
yes, you know, that that's one of my quotes kind of a thing. And like I said, I don't know if that's tacky or not, but it's really not what we do for a living that matters most yet. That is what 90% of us put all of our attention onto that. That's really where we focus. And I get it. We all have power bills and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, like you said, get all hippie on everybody and freaking say, you know, Kumbaya takes care of the power bill. I know it doesn't, but it's what we do with living that is going to be at the end of the, at the end of this journey, it's going to be about what we did with living that really matters. It's not going to be how much money you had in your bank account. I went to a funeral uh, in my fiance's family. Her grandmother died. And my, my soon-to-be father-in-law got up and gave a talk about his mother. And he said, you know, I'm cleaning out the house. And, and they were fairly successful. You know, he had a great insurance practice and, you know, they were taken care of. And he said, I was cleaning out the house and all the stuff and getting ready for everything. And he said, I just had this aha moment I, where... I looked around and I said, you don't get to take a U-Haul to heaven, you know? And I just, that hit me so hard. I was like, it's so simple, you know, it's very basic, but we don't. We don't take our awards. We don't take our, we don't take our awards. We don't take our glory. We don't take any of the things that we create here on this earth with us, whether you believe in heaven or not, it's gone when you're gone. You know, it, it's just, it's not, it's not here when, when you're, or excuse me, it's, it's not something that you take when, when you leave. And so what matters is what are you leaving behind that is actually going to make a, a difference? You know, what, what are you leaving behind that is actually going to matter when you're gone? That's my quote that I just feel is, is, fitting to this conversation is, you know, it's, it's not what we do for a living that matters most. It's what we do with living that truly matters. And it's not, you know, I, I get the legacy thing and I, and I totally respect that, but it's, it's, it's even more than that. You know, it's, it's, if, if I, I've always had this weird kind of morbid thing that if I could read my own obituary after I was gone, would I be happy about it? Would it make me, would it be something that it would just be like, yeah, that's, that's, I like that, you know, and, and meaningful. And that kind of drove me a little bit and, you know, when I was younger. But then I shifted that and I have a son, I have a daughter and a son. And I said, would my children be proud of an obituary that was written about me when I was gone? And actually my whole concept with my book writing stuff is going to be, I launched book one, zero to 13, I'll launch book uh two, which is 13 to when I started a human project. And then I'll write my final book in this series. I'll probably write many more books, but this series, and I want it to be released by my son the day after I die. And that may sound really morbid to a lot of people, but there's a lot of reason behind that. And one of the big reason behind that is, is that I didn't have, and still to this day do not have this overwhelming pride in my father. Now, look, he's a father and I respect him. You know, I met him when I was 26. That's a whole other story. But one of my driving factors in life is I want my son and daughter to be incredibly proud of me. And if that means I die tomorrow, then what am I doing today to make that happen? And so this book is just another piece in my psychological journey of being able to make it so that he is proud to have the Chapman last name. He is proud to be the son of Wesley Chapman. 
And I think a lot of us in this world have lost that. We don't have that anymore. We're a fatherless world now. It's sad. And I think that that, and that goes back to love and all these things, but that's really where all of this comes out to because we, as you said, we all go through these trials. We all go through tribulation. And it's just what do we do with that that's really going to matter. And we're all procreating at some point. You know, it's, I know everyone doesn't dream about having children, but I think the majority of us do. So what are we doing for those children so that they have the absolute, you know, best uh, examples and, the, and they have that pride? And that's a simple way to look at it. It's the way I look at it now. Like I said, before I had kids, I was like, what would I look at my obituary? And, you know, that drove me to, well, he was really good and he, you know, helped kids and he, you know, gave soup to the poor and it was always good to be around West, you know, blah, 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 to now being what's, what's even that next level? What's that next thing that I could do? And, and not in an ego way. This is in a truly humanistic human way. And more importantly for me personally, what can my son be so proud to talk about when I'm gone? Yeah, powerful stuff. And it's great to know that they'll, you know, they'll be saying, you know, my dad really held it down. Like he really did what he said he was going to do. Because I think a lot of people don't do that. They have all these ideas, but they don't execute. And you, you're definitely out there moving and shaking things. So I'm um, looking forward to that trilogy, man. I, I think uh, I have a pretty strong belief they'll probably turn it into a movie one day. <laughs> <laughs> No, I would, I'll be honored if one person reads it. So to me, it's, you know, there is a lot of selfish reason behind it, not about the money, but the selfish reason of just being able to, you know, to be able to share that story and look back and say, well, that's kind of cool. And so, you know, there, there's just so many things to it. And, I, and I'll tell everybody, you know, if you go through what I coach and what I execute for you in your life, you'll be proud to tell your story. And that sounds really weird. Um, but I'm now proud to tell my story. Like I said, I don't have a lot of pride in my father's in the last name and all that kind of stuff. And that's a whole nother story. But I'm proud and have no shame in telling my story. And we didn't even tell any of my story, really. We just surfaced it. But a lot of people ask me, how do you, how do you get to that point? Because that's where you really know you have true healing. So it's possible. If you've got some crazy thing in your life that you're hiding from, you don't want to talk about your alcoholic parent who did this to you or that or whatever, we can get past all of that. You get past all of it so that you're not living in shame of who you are and you're not living in shame of situations that happen to you. That's a powerful, powerful thing when that happens. Yeah. And what's awesome about that is that you you have the power to change. You know, like it, it's, it's not like a hereditary thing. It's not like, oh, because my parents treated me like this this is how it's going to happen for my kids and their kids and so on like you you've changed the course of the next generation exactly that's, that's amazing stuff awesome well thanks so much wes we are we're about to wrap up this interview uh where can we find you and how can we discover superhuman so it's um we decided to go with one of the vanity URLs just to have fun with that, <laughs> but it's superhuman.life. So it's not .com or anything. It's superhuman.life, L-I-V-E. Superhuman.life is where you can get that. And then, you know, if, if you're just wanting to learn about a human project and how to get involved there, go to a humanproject.com and there's one button that you need to push on there. It's not the donate button, but if you want to push it, that's fine. It's the stories button. You'll see it up in the top. 
humanproject.com, and then there's stories. Watch the stories of the youth whose lives have been completely transformed by being involved with the Human Project. And then, you know, you can Google me. I'm not hard to find. So, uh, but superhuman.life, if you're looking at just how can I take more control in my life? And maybe something crazy like my story has not happened to you. And I actually talk about something called the Elmo Effect in the videos that'll make total sense when you hear it. You don't have to have gone through something crazy to have your psychological mind be, you know, working against you. And we can talk about that. And I talk about those in those in videos. And then, you know, uh, you can go to a human project if you're feel like you've got your stuff together and you're listening to this interview and you're just saying, holy cow, I want to help kids. I want to help kids, which Joel, I mean, I know, you know, it's always not a great thing to just whatever, but you've been an amazing support to a human project and your audience needs to know that, that you are supporting some of the youth that are out there because of some of the stuff you've gone through in your childhood. Yeah. You're in a position to help. So, you know, if you're in that position, then reach out to a human project and look how you can get involved and donate or volunteer. Or There's all kinds of ways to play with, with that. Yeah, no, thank you, Wes. And actually, yeah, you're right. You know, like I, I actually, I got bullied pretty hard back in uh, high school, got beat up and everything embarrassed and, and the lot, right? And after speaking to Wes and seeing what he's doing, it really inspired me to speak up. And it's funny because I didn't really realize, but a lot of people look up to what I'm doing, you know, addicted to success and have reached out to me. And just to know that like, I could be sharing that story with other people and helping them just like you have, I mean, it's powerful stuff. So if you've got, you know, even if you don't have that story, but you know, you, you have, you've faced some sort of adversity or you know someone that has, like refer them onto a human project, refer them onto superhuman.life and, you know, be prepared for a massive change and, and transformation and to be inspired. Exactly. It's, it, you know, I, another quote is, is that, you know, we, we, uh, we all know that one person can change the world. We've seen it a hundred thousand times in our world history. We all know that one person can change the world. Now just imagine if two people change the world at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's a numbers game. The more that are, more people that are out there sharing their stories, supporting these youth, the better that the better the world around us is going to be. And we're kind of going down a really weird path right now. And we all need to step up and take a little bit of ownership and a little more control and help these kids get through this time and try to break this cycle of uh, fatherlessness and lovelessness and all these other things. So we could talk for hours. I appreciate your time. Yeah, I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. Look, right at the end of every interview, and I wanted to wrap this up with you as well, because I think you have great advice. I love your advice. Um, What we do is we ask a question of, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? I love that question. It's on the spot. But um, luckily, I have something similar that I've prepared before. And it's actually the advice that I would give myself if I, if I could. So, so I'll, I'll do that. It's similar. Uh, and I'll kind of do it in a fun way where I'm actually talking to myself. So bear with me on this. But um, Excellent. You know, uh, just imagine that I step into a time machine. That's the only visual imagination that you'll need. You'll need on this. Excuse me. You'll need on this. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go back to my 15 year old self, Wes. It's Wes. A little bit taller, a little less hair, but we're about the same. Um, 
wanted to let you know that you have an amazingly gorgeous fiance. You have two beautiful children. Your life is pretty awesome. Um, you drive cool cars and uh, there's some people that know your name and you've got some great places. You became amazing at soccer. Uh, that was really cool. And you're great at basketball. So I just wanted to let you know that. And I also wanted to let you know something. You know, I know that your entire life, since, since you came into this world, you have been beaten down. You have been told that you're worthless. I know that at seven and a half years old, the doctors and the psychiatrists and the psychologists, they told you that you would amount to nothing, that you would be no one, that you were a burden on society, that you would be better off to be locked up in a tower and never seen again. I know that nobody has believed in you. And I know that nobody has shown you true love. And I know that as you sit in these counselor meetings and you sit with these psychiatrists and you hear the words come out of their mouth and they tell you these things, I know that you sit there and you think, I am going to show you, I'm going to show you that you're wrong. And I know that as an 11-year-old boy and you sat down and you wrote your dream, your dream of being the president of the United States and everybody laughed at you and said that you were crazy and you could never do that because look at what you are. Look at what you are. And I know that at 13 years old, you said, Wes, I, we are going to build a ranch. We are going to help children who have been through these horrible things. We're going to build this oasis for them to come to where they can learn that they're loved. And I know that everybody told you you were crazy. And I know that right now inside of you, burning down inside of your soul, and down inside of your every essence of who you are, you are just focusing on one thing. And that one thing is you are going to prove everybody wrong. And I've come back to give you the piece of advice that is going to change your life forever. I'm not going to tell you about what companies to invest in. I'm not going to tell you about what ideas to work on. I'm not going to tell you about the latest trends that you need to be ahead of. I'm not even going to tell you where not to be because you may get in trouble or you may not do this, you may not do that. Because as I said before, your life is pretty good right now, Wes. But I'm going to tell you one thing that is going to change your life and is going to make your life easier. Wes, let go of this inner burning to prove everybody wrong and just do one thing. Prove yourself right. Prove yourself right. Wes, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that with us, man. That was incredible. No problem. Thank you, man. Really appreciate it. Yep, and for all the listeners out there, head over to superhuman.life. Don't waste any more time. Check it out. Plug all your friends, family, and followers into that too. And uh, Wes, man, uh, thank you for sharing your time with us today, your story, your passion, and your lessons. We, uh, I'm sure we gained a lot from it. I know I did. I'm honored. Thank you. Have a great, fantastic morning as I go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Catch you later, man.